Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. And joining us is Dolphins insider Sam Marcou, who hosts the Perfect Bill podcast for the Believe Network. Great to have you on the show. And we want to get to a little bit of information on our new Texans defensive coordinator, Matt Burke, your old Dolphins defensive coordinator. How's your memory Sam from the Adam Gase years. <laughs> well, you know, uh, the, the human brain does things to you, Robert, every now and then, and that, that is to block certain things out. So Adam Gase, the, the Adam Gase era for the Miami Dolphins is not one that people necessarily rem- remember fondly, although there were pockets of uh, just greatness throughout. Jay Ajayi comes to mind, uh, obviously making that playoff run under Adam Gase. There were certain players on the defensive side of the ball that actually developed into superstars like they are today. Uh, in large part due to the Adam Gase era and Matt Burke as the defensive coordinator. And I would be remiss if I didn't start by saying thank you for enjoying uh, or allowing me to enjoy your show here today. Um, and then Dolphins Insider is great because uh, they, they lock the door in my face these days when I go down to Miami. So uh, I'm an insider from the outside looking in, I suppose. But, uh, you know, the Adam Gase era for the Miami Dolphins was, was one that we would like to forget. But uh, there's some great individual performances that came out of that era. Yeah, and I want to kind of get your take on a couple of things that I've seen about Matt Burke and it's D'Amico Ryan's, you know, he might be calling the defensive place, but I guess my antenna went up a little bit on Burke when I saw his Dolphins defenses didn't rank higher than 27th in points allowed in the two years that he was the defensive coordinator. And those were with teams, with pro bowlers, Mika Fitzpatrick, Rashad Jones, Xavier Howard, Nagamagan Sue and Cameron Wake. And I found quotes where players weren't exactly happy with their playing time or how they were getting used. Does any of this sound familiar to you? Yeah. I mean, one of the things that you have to grade Matt Burke on is, is a little bit of a curve in Miami. Now that was his only real large, you know, uh, test sample as a defensive coordinator, especially at the NFL level, but something that people need to understand, I think in, in the, in the great city of Houston is that he did not have a ton of support when it came to Adam Gase. Adam Gase basically said, this side of the ball is yours. I'm going to go over here and doodle plays and, and come up with what I think is a creative way to use Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler, and all these other quarterbacks, offensive players. He didn't touch the defense. In fact, notoriously, the last game of the Adam Gase era, the defense is on the field. They're trying to win a game, and Adam Gase is nowhere near uh, even being involved watching the the defense play. He's on the sidelines drawing up offensive plays or whatever he was doing, patting his resume for the New York Jets. I'm not quite sure. So <laughs> Matt Burke really wasn't supported, in my opinion, uh, tremendously well by his boss, his head coach, in his first stint as a defensive coordinator. So when you don't have good infrastructure, when you don't have a good culture there, really, really difficult to judge whether or not somebody was good at their job or not. Now, to your point, they weren't particularly great when it came to rushing the passer, they weren't particularly great when it came to sacking the quarterback. Uh, they gave up a lot of points. But again, some of those are those are skewed, right? So if, if your quarterback throws an interception and the opposing team gets the ball back on your own 25 and then you give up a touchdown because they went 25 yards, that goes against you in your defensive stats as opposed to perhaps if they didn't have that, you would have given up 20 yards and they punt. And the same scenario, same amount of yards given up, however – one goes against you against you know for points. Another is you know a nice solid defensive effort that ends in a punt. So I don't know that I give uh, Matt Burke all the 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 issues uh, that came with the Miami Dolphins during those years. There was a lot of extenuating circumstances which I think worked against him. 
Uh, but that being said, the defenses weren't good under Matt Burke. They didn't have a lot of superstars. Now, you mentioned a couple of them, Mika Fitzpatrick. Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, when he was with Miami, was not Mika Fitzpatrick when he's in Pittsburgh as he is today. He was a, quite frankly, spoiled brat when he was with the Miami Dolphins. He had his mom calling saying you're using him incorrectly and demanded a trade, forced his way out. Um, and Domicon Sue and Cameron Wake, as much as I love Cameron Wake, they, they were – not really held in check. In fact, in the locker room, they had an area called um, Manhattan. So basically, they looked at the the Miami Dolphins locker room as New York City, Manhattan being the posh, rich area. That's where Ndamukong Sue and Cameron Wake had their lockers, and they called themselves Manhattan. Now, that's not great when it comes to a defensive team culture. When you said, we are in the expensive place, we are the high-priced players, you guys are in other boroughs, we're Manhattan. So that was the type of stuff that we were dealing with, is it was a pretty fractured team under the Adam Gase era, but I give more of that to Adam Gase than I do Matt Burke. Now, what you did mention, Rashad Jones was a pro bowler under uh, Matt Burke. You also had Xavier Howard, probably his uh, really broke out, became a pro bowler in 2018, his second year with Matt Burke, had 25 passes defensed in two years with Matt Burke as his uh, defensive coordinator. I think he had almost 20 interceptions with those as well. I'm sorry, uh, about 15 interceptions in those two years under Matt Burke. So you did see some individual efforts in their uh, defensive backfield with Rashad Jones and Xavier Howard really uh, up in their game with Matt Burke at the helm. Yeah, I looked at the red zone numbers. They looked pretty good. I mean, there was a couple of defensive metrics that were good. The the, the pass rush was an issue. And like I said, I, you know, you, you got D'Amico. He, he's got somebody to catch him if, if anything is an issue. And we're still kind of waiting to figure out uh, or at least to hear from D'Amico if he's going to be running the Texans defense more play calling, like what percentage of, you know, he's going to have in this whole situation. And I'm sure it's going to be a big percentage. Adam Gase, you're telling me that that was more of the, he's the one that kind of let the locker room go where you had these guys. And Sue wasn't known as he's never been known as Mr. You know, good guy for the team chemistry type. guy. I, I, I don't ever remember that with him. No, Sue was never uh, a guy that was going to, you know, win, you know, teammate of the year. Uh, he's definitely a guy when he's on your team, you find yourself defending him a little bit more uh, than you would otherwise. And he's a great player. He actually played really well for us. But I do think that's the one area that the Miami Dolphins defense struggled a lot was that defensive line play under Matt Burke. Um, you know, Kiko Alonso, Matt Burke is a linebacker's coach more so than anything else. And you pair him with D'Amico Ryans, who played linebacker for the Texans as well as other teams, who also does a really good job of developing linebackers. That's where I think you guys are going to see your most improvement immediately on the defensive side of the ball is going to be your linebackers. Kiko Alonso had all the talent in the world. His rookie year with the Buffalo Bills was fantastic. And then he was riddled with injuries. He didn't really do much after that until he came to Miami and actually moved from middle linebacker to initially the weak side and then the strong side. That was Matt Burke. Matt Burke put him on the outside and put other players in the middle. And once you look at that, all of a sudden Kiko Alonso was having back-to-back 100 tackle seasons. He's tackling people for loss. He's flying all over the place, and he looked better than he ever did in his career. Again, individual performance uh, coming up under Matt Burke. So I would see your linebackers are probably going to be the, the the unit that's going to see the most improvement right away, followed by your defensive backfield, and then ultimately your defensive line. But you're right. With D'Amico Ryans being there, I think he's going to be intimately involved in that defense. They both uh, subscribe to a 4-3 base package with D'Amico and Matt. Now that's you know, in traditional speak, what you do, but you're going to see different, you know, formations. You're going to see different uh, substitution packages. So four, three, three, four, doesn't really matter. But that I think they align very closely with how they look at the defensive side of the ball. 
I would anticipate D'Amico Ryans is probably going to call the majority of the plays and Matt Burke is going to be there as a quality defensive coordinator in terms of quality control, gathering and making sure that the information is uh, is legit for D'Amico to, to, to make the right calls at the right time. I want to ask you a couple other really quick things because I noticed on your Twitter you had a rundown of all the players the Dolphins have had <laughs> thanks to Laramie Tunsil and that awful trade that the Texans make. And I didn't notice that you guys had been flipping those two first, the Dolphins had, and the, the uh, second uh, pick as well. So for the Texans fans who haven't kept up, this is what I, I've got. The Dolphins flipped those picks into Jalen Waddell, the first rounder used in the Tyreek Hill trade, which was the key component, I guess, of that trade. The Dolphins starting safety, Javon Holland and Bradley Chubb. Did I get all of that right? Yeah, I mean, there's some other players in there that, you know, again, kind of like the Adam Gase era that we'd rather forget about. One of those being uh, Noah Igbenogane, who uh, was drafted in the first round, same year as Tua Tungabailoa and Austin Jackson, actually, 2020. So when you look at that, you know, that's that's a very um, uh, polarizing tweet that I put out there. I get a lot of people saying, well, you're not taking into account, you know, the the other parts of the trade that were sent out from the Miami Dolphins. And, and if you look at that, that is the net gain for both the primary teams, so the Houston Texans and the Miami Dolphins, for that Laramie Tunzel for draft picks trade. So, yes, of course, there's going to be other pieces that were moved out and other pieces that were moved in, but this is the net gain, and this trade is almost complete. I think we have one more, like, fifth rounder this year that once we make that pick or trade it away or whatever the case may be, we can close the book on the net gain of this Laramie Tunzel to Houston trade, which, by the way, as somebody else pointed out, you know, the Miami Dolphins got all of those players to help them rebuild as to where they are now. But, you know, they have the same amount of playoff wins as Houston does ever since the Laramie Tunzel trade happened. So who really won? I don't know. Laramie Tunzel is one of the best tackles in football. Uh, we still want to erect a statue to him in Miami because we do think that long term, those uh, draft picks that we got are going to pay off handsomely for the Miami Dolphins. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre and wild to see the net returns for the Miami Dolphins based off one player. Yeah, and Tunzel is really good, but you knew immediately it just didn't fit what uh, a Laramie Tunsil is worth. And I, I got to say, you know, I, I love Laramie Tunsil most of the time. I don't know if he was doing this a bunch with you guys, but it seems like several times a year we get Laramie Tunsil movement before the snap, occasionally some other penalties. You know, it, it, it's a little bit frustrating. And, you know, he he's, he's had a season where it, it just almost seemed like he didn't feel like playing and we got the contract extension coming up. So there's a lot in the whole, getting the whole Laramie Tunsil package. Yeah, look, I mean, uh, there's no denying his talent. And uh, whoever leaked that video, there's rumors as to who did it, uh, really did some damage to him on draft day. Uh, but ultimately, long term, uh, he's proven to be a first round talent at left tackle. Is he perfect? No, but hardly any players are anymore. Uh, I do think, you know, I understand the logic that Bill O'Brien had at the time. You had this, you had this team that seemed like they were just one building block piece away from really contending didn't quite work out the way um, I think he had imagined, but long-term if you have Laramie Tunzel on your team, you're doing something right. I think he's a really good player. I would love him back in Miami uh, someday, but hopefully uh, before his uh, usefulness was, was up all the way. Uh, speaking of penalties, one thing I do want to point out since we are talking about Matt Burke in 2017, his first year as a defensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins, they were one of the worst penalized teams on defense. I think they were third worst in the league 
when it came to uh, defensive penalties. Now, they cleaned that up his second year. I think that was a point of emphasis for him. But a lot of undisciplined play when he came in in that first year. They never were able to get a handle on it uh, up until the second year around. But again, some of that has to do with the fact that we just had a lot of young players that were developing and learning how to play the game. So something to keep in mind as well is what do the defensive penalties look like for the Houston Texans under Matt Burke? All right, just for the hell out of it, I'm going to ask you, because why not? Bryce Young is somebody that the Texans have to consider in the draft. You guys have an undersized quarterback that has had some issues because he has been undersized, and he was from Alabama and Tua as well. Uh, what are your thoughts on Bryce Young? You got, do you have a, a take from just your angle? Yeah, so I, I my brother-in-law, and actually we have this debate as to which major college program has produced the least amount of starting quality caliber quarterbacks in the NFL. I maintain it's Ohio State. He maintains it's Alabama. I think you have to go all the way back to Joe Namath before you can find an Alabama quarterback that actually won the Super Bowl. And I'm still waiting for any sort of Hall of Fame quarterback out of Ohio State. Um, You know, Tua was and is undersized, right? And I think that is part of the issue as to why he could be injured. Um, I think a lot of Tua's issues this year obviously stem from the brain injuries. Um, but it has a lot to do with how he falls. And he's actually taking judo classes this this offseason to help him with that. Uh, Bryce Young's a hell of a player. I mean, he, he really is. I, I kind of subscribe to the theory that if you're getting Alabama talent, you're probably in a good spot. There's not a lot of bad people that come out of Alabama in terms of football players. Very you know far and few between that they don't work out. Um, I will say this. I think you have to get it right. Whoever the quarterback is, you have to get it right. And you have to have an offensive coordinator, which I think you guys are still working on, that can work with that quarterback. And uh, you don't, they don't have to be a starter right away, day one, but you have to get that pick right. We're still debating whether Tua Tungabailoa is the right pick, and we're three years into his career. I mean, he obviously showed flashes this past year under Mike McDaniel, but then the injury concerns have popped up, right? So if you don't have that quarterback, as you guys know, you're not going anywhere in this league. And the beautiful thing about the AFC South is, with all due respect to the Houston Texans and the other you know, uh, teams in that division, it's not very strong. And it doesn't look like it's going to be a strong division for quite some time. I mean, right now, Jacksonville Jaguars, the, the doormat of the league, are you know the bell of the ball in that division. So if you get a good quarterback, you guys could make some, you know, do some damage and, and, and have this thing turned around quite well. But uh, for Bryce Young, I'm not completely sold on him, but I wouldn't I – wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't sell him out quite yet. I mean, he's got a lot to prove, but if anybody can do it, it's going to be an Alabama player. The Texans need every trade asset that they can get. Do you do you feel like sitting at number two, would you give a trade asset of any sort of value to move up for Bryce Young as opposed to a, a, just drafting C.J. Stroud sitting where you are? Well, that's the thing, right? The other quarterback, C.J. Stroud, based on everything that I just talked about. I don't know if that's any better, but – I think you sit put, you know, I don't know that like to your point at this point, you know, sometimes you got to get rid of the, those draft picks. Like we just talked about for the Miami dolphins going and getting Tyreek Hill and, and uh, Jalen Waddle and, and Bradley Chubb. Uh, you could see what the Rams did a couple of years ago to go basically, you know, trade all of their draft capital to go win one Super Bowl, which quite frankly, I agree with. If you can make it work and win the Super Bowl, it's worth it. Um, the Texans, you know, if you're looking for a, a big rebuild, you're looking for uh, what D'Amico Ryans is going to need in terms of sustainability long term on both sides of the ball. I agree with you. I think you, you stay put uh, or even maybe, you know, if, if you trade back, you're losing out on both of those guys. But, you know, it depends on how you value that you know, those two individual players at that position of need. I, I don't know that I trade up. Uh, I, I sit put where I'm at and uh, 
let the best player fall to me at, at number two. It's at Perfectville Pod on Twitter. Uh, tell people where they can find the podcast and what you guys got going on over there. We're part of the Believe Network. You can find us in pretty much all streaming platforms for all of your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Sirius XM, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio. Uh, I get asked all the time about some of the different streaming services, and I just say, yeah, we're probably on there too. I have somebody else who handles that for me because I'm not that tech savvy. And what we got going on right now is uh, actually it's a great place to be if you're a Miami Dolphins fan or just a football fan in general. I mean, the Super Bowl just ended. What a great game that was. As a Miami Dolphins fan, Zach Thomas, I personally put on the campaign on Twitter for uh, about the last two years, about half of my tweets have been basically harassing the Pro Football Hall of Fame to get Zach Thomas in. I realize they're not the ones voting. Um, now that he's in, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself because um, I'm going to have to figure out another player to, to help push across the finish line. I'm thinking Richmond Webb from the 90s and early 2000s for the Miami Dolphins. But uh, yeah, we just what we're doing now is we're going to do our business plan. So what we do is we actually just turn on the microphones and we record the podcast and we tell everybody what we're going to do in 2023 in terms of the stupid bits, the dumb ideas and the funny jokes that we're going to write between myself and my co-host Chris Cullen. Uh, we have former Miami Dolphins players and writers on all the time. And uh, we just have fun, man. We've been doing the show for about six, seven years. Basically, the day Adam Gase was hired is the day we turned on the microphones and said, is this going to work or not? Uh, we've been here longer than Adam Gase. We've been here longer than Brian Flores. And we'll probably be here longer than Mike McDaniel, although I hope not. Um, so we're just having a good old time here talking about the Miami Dolphins and uh, doing it from the West Coast, by the way. I'm, I'm out here in uh, beautiful San Francisco Bay Area. My co-host is a former college player living in North Carolina. So uh, we're covering you in terms of your Miami Dolphins talk coast to coast. I tell you what, it's been five coaches that you've lasted with the Texans because we just get, you know, we have a coach every year. So it's kind of our thing. <laughs> well, I feel like that's not going to happen uh, right now. I think you guys are in for the long haul. I, I really do think, you know, for, for what it's worth from an outsider looking at the Houston Texans organization, I think D'Amico Ryans is a hell of a pick. And it seems like, like such an obvious fit for you guys that I'm glad it happened. I'm happy for D'Amico. He seems like a great guy. He's been out here uh, coaching with the San Francisco 49ers. So we've got to know him through the local media out here. Just seems like the right guy for this job. And uh, if anybody's going to turn this thing around for you guys, I think it's going to be him. Boy, we hope so. Hey, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hot-tah!